What's up, party people, and welcome to the damn good day show, where at any time you scroll through and we let you know that it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. Speaking of a good day, there is a big change that I've recently been making in my life and I feel good. And I'm talking about getting up early. Now, I hate getting up early. My whole life, I'm just a night owl. I, I generally have stoke running through my blood. It's hard to turn off my brain. I don't like to go to sleep. I'm like, ah, oh, the day's over, instead of thinking the new day has just begun. But did you know that when you wake up and natural sunlight gets into your eyes, it actually resets your sleep cycle and your biological clock? That's really important when it comes to getting deep sleep at night and having a really rejuvenated feeling so that you can actually go back to bed at a reasonable time. But all that sounds great, but if you don't have motivation to get up, you ain't getting up. For me, that motivation came from some friends who said, Ian, we're going spearfishing. And I'm like, well, I don't have a spear yet. I don't have this. They're like, let's just do it. Let's just figure it out. I drove out to Fort Lauderdale after waking up at 6 a.m., was there before the sunrise, and it was unbelievably amazing. We jumped on two paddle boards and swam uh, off the shore and quickly encountered a bait ball of fish that must have been 50 yards. I mean, we're talking tarpon, barracuda, snook, encompassing the whole thing. It was unbelievably magical. And then later on, we actually encountered two nurse sharks, which one had a hook in its mouth. And one of my friends, Josh, shout out, got the idea, we're gonna get this hook out of this shark's mouth. So here's three dudes pulling a nurse shark onto a paddleboard. And after a bunch of work, we eventually got the hook out, which was awesome. But for me, spearfishing now has become this hobby that gets me excited to get up in the morning because early morning is when you're seeing the best fish. There's less people out there. The water tends to be more clear. But you need to find that hobby for you, whether it's working out, rollerblading, or whatever your mojo is, find something that gets you up early in the morning. It's a benefit if you get exercise doing it because your whole body's just gonna be reawakened. Now, I am so excited about today's episode. I mean, there was an absolute all-star guest. Her name is Ola Koyal, and she is amazing. She is the founder of Nabati, which is Arabic for plant-based. Nabati is a plant-based, gluten, soy, and refined sugar-free dessert shop that is redefining ice cream. What is so unique about Ola is that in her university and college and all this stuff, she created this idea for this product. And a lot of people do this in school, but very few people ever actually proceed and make it happen. At a very young age, she was able to create and bring this thing to life building the bati from scratch, literally empty spot, deciding here, this is where the sink goes, this is where the freezer goes. And being a chef growing up, she has created all of these incredible recipes to common sweets that we use today, but using this philosophy of truly guilt-free ice cream. Now you might be like, listen Jones, I heard that before, a lot of people be saying that. I heard it too, but she takes it really seriously to the point where she makes sure that she doesn't ever hit certain thresholds to essentially redefine and recreate the space. What I love about her story is that as soon as she opened up, the pandemic hit. Let alone a pandemic that hit right when you're starting a new business, being able to start a business and keep it alive and running during a pandemic when you're just getting started, that is no easy task. So I know if you're somebody out there that has thought about maybe starting your own venture today or right on the cusp of diving in, this is the podcast that you wanna listen to. As always, you can watch this episode live on YouTube. We actually shot it inside 
of Ola's shop at Navati. It's pretty freaking cool. And now without further ado, episode 127 with Ola Koyal. Let's jump into it. Ola Koyal, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? We are in the shop. This place is absolutely beautiful. If you guys are watching live, you're going to see this amazing ergonomically laid out plan. You designed this? I designed this. Well, obviously I had uh, real architects do the drawings, but I pretty much designed um, the space and I built my hanging planter myself and it was very nice. It was a very nice experience to, you know, really, the space was empty. I was the first tenant, so I really was able to do it the way I wanted to. It's cool because when I walk in here, I see this upside down jungle forest going on. And it's like right away, I'm like, damn, I'm speaking to the person that put this thing together. And I'm like, where did you get this idea from? Are you just pounding Pinterest? And you mentioned that this guy who did another great job, you, you asked him how to get it set up and, mm -hmm. and what happened. Yeah, I mean, he was supposed to do it for us, but then we he kind of got into an argument with the GC and he had already showed me where to get the plants, which is the main thing. So I just did it myself. I collected two or three friends and we spent all of Saturday and half of Sunday upside down on a scaffolding building the planter <laughs> and you put it together and you made, and that's something that I really admire about you is your miss DIY your miss put things together you're starting things from scratch and you're doing something kind of epic right if anyone likes ice cream raise your hand <laughs> and you're redefining ice cream I'm redefining ice cream and then you build this whole store right first of all it's so rare for someone to actually commit to putting together a store to putting together and right before i came here today's your day off which is why we're shooting it in the ice cream shop mm -hmm. three girls came in and they were so disappointed that it was closed and i was like maybe it's time to open seven days a week <laughs> <laughs> they'd be burning out but bring us back so you're currently working on this huge project but where were you? Where'd you go to school? Like, how did you end up in this position? Did you always want to do food, ice cream? So a simple answer to that question is yes. Um, I started baking when I was eight years old. Um, it wasn't made from scratch healthy baking. It was it started with like ready mix Betty Crocker. Um, but my dad is a big sweets person and he thought that was crap. <laughs> so he was like, you know, discover the true recipes of members of the family that like to bake and you have the internet, you can use the internet to find recipes. And he really like kind of catered to me um, baking. He loved that idea. So he made me like a little kitchenette in the house. Uh, so I would bake cakes all the time. And, you know, it was like, oh, thinner crust, thicker, whatever, crispier, uh, flakier, creamier. So it was a lot of trial and error. Um, he has a very uh, specific palate or very like he's tried a lot of sweets uh, in his lifetime. Um, so he wanted the perfect cake and he put you to work on it. Pretty much. And then it was funny because like um, pecan pie was a big uh, popular dessert in the family. But my dad liked a pecan pie in a nine inch dish that had a thick filling. But my grandfather preferred a pecan pie that was like on a. 15 inch dish with a very thin filling so it's super crispy so it was like really about every person's palate's different when it comes to desserts so you know just learning that and then 
when I graduated school, I wanted to go to culinary school. Um, but my grandfather is a traditional man and he didn't see uh, a culinary career fitting for his granddaughter. Uh, so I um, actually did a, a degree in sustainable business first, uh, graduated with honors, went to my grandfather, gave him the degree and was like, okay, here's your business degree. I'm going to culinary school. Um, my dad was more like, you know, do what you want. Uh, he had to work for the family business at one point of his life. So he was like, you know what? It's your life. You're going to be working in it. So do what makes you, you know, what makes you happy. So then I went to culinary school. And um, in culinary school, we had a class called product development, uh, where you had to develop a product. You had 11 weeks. We had the farmer's market in school to test out the results and to get feedback and to correct it. What, what, what's even the process of getting into culinary school? Like, what do they look for? Nothing really. It's not like you have to, you know. Like, are you like, you got 30 seconds to bake a pie? <laughs> well, no. Um, they do that when you have exams. You have, um, you get a list of, like, our culinary final every year would be of things that you learned in each class would have a practical final. So you have a list of items that you need to, to do. Um, and then you have a, a time and, and then all the judges, the teachers would be sitting outside and once the time's over. So you have to like kind of, you, you know what you're going to do in advance so you can actually practice it, but it's a matter of like doing it right in the time that you're given it's 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 stressful it's a stressful career it's definitely like you know very intense um very very fast and very like hot <laughs> yeah kitchens get hot um but it's definitely something where i find myself in i like that um fast-paced uh, attention to detail every little thing matters like all the time um so yeah, and, and plant-based ice cream was my project in school, and I really wanted to... Was it just because you loved ice cream? Well, we were actually studying a lot of um, philosophy, food, like food philosophies, food trends, um, what's happening in the world, in the market, uh, in the industry. And a lot of the studies, like a lot of the, the cases that I was doing was about healthy plant-based eating. I thought that was very interesting and I was always allergic to eggs and I was a very, very picky eater growing up. Yeah, so, we, we talked about that. Yeah, and it was just like I found myself in this like healthy eating. I was the same. I remember my mom, I wouldn't eat meat till I was in like junior high school and my mom put a $100 bill in front of me and I was just like, are you crazy? No, I'll eat cinnamon buns, <laughs> but no meat. Like I would have a steak like well done, you know, and like I would never eat chicken wings because there's just like a lot of weird stuff in it. <laughs> Did, was there like a certain time when you felt that you made a big switch to the whole clean eating thing? So I think it's when I, so I actually, started working in a three Michelin star restaurant um, and it was like very meticulous the quality of produce was amazing and then I moved um, this was in Sweden actually and then I moved to London and I started working in uh, plant focused restaurants um, the first one I worked in wasn't actually vegan but it was very much plant based like it highlighted the vegetable rather than the animal product and you would get like the meat as a garnish rather, rather than the main. Um, so all the staff meals there were vegan or vegetarian. Um, and then I just like, when you're, when you work in kitchens, like you're working there all the time. So that's where you eat. That's where you kind of like, it's, it's just like, it becomes your home. 
And I just started eating vegan because I was there and I was allergic to eggs. So it was really like, that was the, the protein that we would have. In the non-vegan world, everyone uses eggs for most things. Well, yeah. And it's kind of like an easy um, binder, you know, it does all the job for you. Um, so, so yeah, I just started eating more plant-based and I would not buy any animal produce at home either. And it just kind of like switched and it wasn't intentional. It just kind of happened. You didn't feel it. Your body wasn't craving it or do you feel? I felt great. Actually, I felt well, my skin was better. My energy levels were better. There was no such thing as a food coma which is huge, you know? You know, you eat a big meal and you're like, oh, I need to take a nap. When it's vegan, you don't really get that. You don't feel that. I mean, if you're eating processed, horrible stuff, then you might, but um, I'm more about the clean, eating the plant-based than the vegan. I try to actually stay away from the word vegan. Something you told me is that you should spend a lot of money on your food. Food's important. I think the ultimate luxury is the quality of your food and water. And, and water. air. And air. Carbonated water occasionally. <laughs> Carbonated water occasionally. If it's not sweet, it's not the worst. Um, but filtered water and the quality of what you consume has a much bigger impact than anybody really puts thought in. You know, like you don't really think about what is in this burger that I'm eating from McDonald's, you know? Maybe now you are because of all these shows on Netflix, like What the Health and like Cowspiracy and all of that. People are starting to think like, oh, um, maybe this is not good for me, you know? We as a generation were grown up on all of the crappiest of the crap. We're talking high fructose corn syrup by the dumpster. And a lot of that's just because like our parents' generation didn't know. There wasn't studies done. They didn't have any better understanding Milk used to be called like the greatest thing ever for your bones. And honestly, I don't know if they didn't know or if they knew and didn't care. Um, because the way I see it, okay, and I'm not like trying to hate on America, but like I never lived here long term until very recently. And there is a whole aisle of sweets in the soup in the pharmacy why is there why is there like two whole aisles of candy and chocolate and chips in a pharmacy where you're supposed to buy like medicine good point i don't get it vitamin c sachets have sugar in it how does it defer to from where you spent most most of the time so i grew up mostly in switzerland and in a way i kind of feel like i grew up in a bubble because i kind of thought like the world is like Switzerland. Little did I know. Um, it's probably a bit naive of me to say that, but you know, you have cows roaming around. Everything is natural. They they voted no GMO in any of their um, farming, and you know everything was seasonal. You don't have all the produce in the supermarket all year round. You know, when it's summer, you get these summer fruits. When it's winter, there's almost no fruits. And, you know, it's just kind of like you adapt to the season and local produce, seasonal produce. I think it's just 
we became so greedy as a population that we want everything all the time. We want to eat sushi in Brazil and like have hamburgers in, I don't know, in India, you know, like why? I definitely find it takes away from the epicness of eating good food when you get to have it all the time. 100%. And when you get used to eating organic, natural, seasonal produce, when you eat the GMO stuff, you feel it. You know, it's like if you ever have, I mean, I can't eat apples that are not organic. Like, I feel like it's a spongy, foamy, weird, flavorless <laughs> substance that I'm eating. But, you know. How much do you believe the organic versus unorganic and how much of it is just kind of? Well, that's also another thing. Um, if we're going to talk about um, organic certified then we're also entering kind of like a man-made label that is also a business that has a lot of loopholes on what is actually organic and what is not. So there has to be a certain trust on where you're actually shopping and what you're buying. Do you feel that exists today on a big scale? In a big scale, no. I think... Um, even supermarkets relabel stuff and open packages and put stuff to make it feel fresh and organic, but actually it's not. So, you know, it, it's hard. It's definitely challenging. And I know personally when I eat something not organic because I feel it in my stomach right away. I'm like that, that was not organic. It's definitely too as you get older and your body is more inclined. It's the typical uh, drinking alcohol debate, right? Every the older you get, the less you can drink unless you're my dad. And I guess it doesn't happen for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, eventually, like, our bodies are such amazing outlets of, like, they have so many features. It has so many features and it does so many things. And, like, one thing that it really does well is adapting. So when you eat crap all the time, it actually gets used to that. It's not necessarily going to be good for you in the long term, but it gets used to eating it so you don't actually get a stomach ache when you eat a whole bag of chips or a whole bar of chocolate. And then when you eat like beans or lentils or cauliflower, you're like, oh, I feel gassy. I'm like, well, <laughs> you're eating the wrong stuff. Your stomach is not used to eating this like healthy, clean stuff. Yeah, you got to kind of tiptoe your way to kind of give it a little bit and over time you can become more resistant to it. I found that with my situation with SIBO because I had to sort of essentially like rebuild my gut microbiome when I did the elemental diet. Mm -hmm. And I, I found things like broccoli and cauliflower just don't agree with my stomach mm -hmm. whatsoever. But I think that if people don't have a clean slate, it's really hard to even figure out what it is that their body, which is unique, can and cannot handle. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, even if you're not eating plant-based, at least make sure what you're eating is organic, free-range, natural, um, and don't really don't really let the labels fool you. You know, um, it's 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 a lot a little bit more work than than that. What are your thoughts on carbs? What are my thoughts on carbs? Well. That's a complex question. Um, I think there are natural sources of carbs that are okay, like carbs that you have in beans and potatoes and legumes um, and some vegetables. I have an issue with white processed flour. So anything that is processed and white and refined, then I would avoid that. 
I would um, eat like whole. Mm, I try to avoid wheat on my day-to-day consumption, but once in a while, if I'm out, you know, now you have a sandwich. It's not the end of the world, but I tend to avoid eating gluten in the U.S. To be honest, because it is different. That's awesome to me that you can tell that because you've been able to experience it and your palate is evolved enough to be able to detect that. Yeah. I mean, when I first moved here, I suffered a lot with like digestion and like just figuring out because I was I was vegan when I moved here and I was eating only vegetables, but I was eating out a lot. And I realized that it was the GMO that I've lived, I don't know, like 20, over 25 years of my life, never exposed to GMO. So is a, it would a dream of, of Queen Nabadi over here to be to do your own garden one day? Oh, 100%. Like, um, it's been a big thing of mine to try to have, obviously, I don't want to live in an apartment, so like, where would I grow my vegetables? But I did have a little herb garden going on once upon a time. Um, I think if you control the food you eat, you can guarantee the, the cleansiness of it. So you don't get it into the whole labeling, if it's true or not, or, you know. But essentially, I think that we live the way we live now to push more medication. Yeah. You know, it's if everybody was healthy there will be no pharmaceuticals. That's not beneficial for... That's why you're never hearing on the public channel say, hey, you know, be work out more, eat less shits, be never, healthier. Even after COVID, right. you know, there's ne- never been like, oh, if you work out or if you eat more vegetables or fruits or like ginger and turmeric juice in the morning. Zinc you know? and vitamin D, like the amount of studies that have been done with people that have passed away had lower levels of vitamin D in aggregate, things like that. So that's why when you said they didn't know, mm, I don't think they didn't know. But I think that they, I would say that... They didn't know as much that for sure, but... I would say that if to this day, I mean, I don't know. My mom and dad listen to all my podcasts, so they're going to hear this. But to this day, even though because of how they were raised, they'll buy the non-organic thing and they're fine, you know, and you can't tell them they're fine. Right. Because it's just they're they're set in their ways and it is what it is. But I feel that people inside of my generation, because I don't know, a lot of our peers are doing it and there's more studies and people I follow that we know and we do the research. But if you're not actively doing the research to understand why you're not going to change. Yeah, and a lot of people don't really care, you know, or don't want to or don't want to care. Like they don't want to think about that, it's a hassle. you know. It's a hassle. And it is a hassle. It is a hassle. Yeah. And especially it depends where you are, but in some places it's more of a hassle than others. Like if you wanted something healthy on the go now, what are your options? A McMuffin? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> So it's it's definitely complicated, but when I hear the older generation saying that, you know, we've been consuming the way we've been consuming throughout our life for 50, 60 years and we're fine, the answer to me really is that is the quality of what you're eating the same as it, what it was 50 years ago? Definitely not. 
the meat you were eating 50 years ago is not the same as what we're eating right now, for sure. Um, we're the population of the, the planet is a lot and we want to feed the masses, you know, we want to feed 8 billion people, everything all the time, everywhere in the world. So when, when you start producing for the masses, the quality decreases no matter what you do. And a big thing that people, uh, you know, there's a lot of vegan products today that say gluten-free vegan. A great one is the Beyond Burger or the Impossible Burger. Truthfully, the Beyond Burger is fire. Like I would, I, I really enjoy it. It's is really Is it good. healthy though? But it's not. It's not. It's not. But then also, if you think about that as your, you know, cheat meal that you have once in a while, that's defined once in a while. Once in a while is not once a week. It's yeah. not and once maybe, a month. Maybe it can know? be your gateway drug into healthier eating. You maybe. Know? But like when I eat an Impossible Burger now, I do feel it. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm. You have this background. You grew up at essentially built high standards into the way you're you were born you grew up in switzerland everything is attention to detail you developed these traits where everything needs to be absolutely per fact <laughs> and when i go to your store it's so clean there's not you know the, the floors are good everything's left so like everything that you do is reflective in how you live your life so you built an actual store now let me when you go about the process of actually putting your vision into reality. You think about all the upfront costs and the risk of going off and doing that. Take us through the thought process of taking your little school project. Did you call it Nabati back then? So it's actually a funny story because I had two school projects. One was a restaurant and it was more theoretical and it was a written paper and one was the actual project. So I actually did um, have a restaurant called Nabati, which was one of my school projects. But then the, the, um, the ice cream that I made, I called Rossicles. They were raw popsicles. Um, and I was going to go for that name, but there was a lot of raw, raw some, raw something. It was like, it was used. So, and I really wanted the, the name Nabati because it really means, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Arab originally and Nabati means vegan in Arabic. So I really wanted something to represent that. Um, it was not easy to bring a school project to life. Uh, it was actually very challenging, uh, especially that I also moved to across the ocean to do it. So that was also another challenge. And that was what, two years ago? That was two years ago. So we actually just celebrated our second birthday in August. Happy anniversary. Thank you. And um, the thing that I wanted, I wanted to make sure that I stuck to was the values that I have. Um, I really wanted my shop to represent the lifestyle that I try to live. Zero waste, plant-based, healthy, nutritious, clean, um, it's definitely harder. Uh, it's definitely more of a niche and it comes with a lot of challenges and it's more expensive. You mentioned that you came across a, a crossroad that some of your ice cream might have needed to be a little bit sweeter, but you sacrificed adding as minimal sweetener as possible because you didn't want, even if it, it meant more profits because you're so gung ho about keeping the vision strong. I mean, I think I've if if I'm going to create a brand and I'm trying to reinvent ice cream, I can't surrender on what the majority of people want. If they want super sweet ice cream, there's a lot in the market. 
you know? Right. But you want real guilt-free ice cream. I want real guilt-free. And for it to really stay guilt-free, it has to not be... I mean, already we don't use any refined sugar. That's already, for me, a big guilt-free. But then the amount of sugar, of natural sugars you use does make a difference. So... I have a few friends that are diabetic and when they eat my ice cream, they don't, it's, it's not the end of the world. You know, it actually like, you know, it, it does play with the sugar a little bit, but not like extreme. So, you know, and I have some people that never had ice cream before, uh, kids that are, um, that, um, kids that are allergic to dairy, uh, lacto intolerant or like celiacs. And, you know, so your customers are your test subjects and, kind you're, of. and you're able to <laughs> hear these stories and, and adjust and adopt kind of. But, you know, there is also a certain point where you're like, OK, this is the limit. I'm not going any further because you're on the front lines like you're working here. You know, you have an awesome staff. You spoke so highly of them and you're you're out here trying to perfect and improve but at the same time get by and keep the storm going i mean you got a lot of things to think about on a day-to-day basis how do you or how have you sort of figured out to process those things maybe not get too overwhelmed and prioritize so hmm that's a challenging one i would say for me i like to look at the bigger picture and take it day by day so set a goal and then just work the day by day without getting into the details on how to achieve the goal. When I get too into the details on how I'm going to do stuff, I get really overwhelmed and I feel like it's too much. So I try to like break it down. Um, A normal person can only do five tasks a day. So, you know, just try to keep tasks at the minimum. Obviously priorities arise. So you're not, you know, sometimes you're just like, putting fires out instead of doing what you're supposed to do in the day. But then, you know, look at the bigger picture and just kind of enjoy the process. You mentioned that when you first launched, you used, what was that book or the plan that you used? Was it the ocean theory? Oh yeah. The blue ocean strategy. So that was one of the classes that we did in business school. And I thought it was very um, informative in what I was doing now because in a way I am creating a blue ocean in a market that's already very bloody and very competitive. Like there's so many ice cream brands out there that use sugar and dairy. And, and if we just like sugar, everybody I think knows how bad sugar is for you. Um, and dairy is another thing that in the, in, in the United States alone, the industry standard for allowing dairy to be sold as milk has 30% pus in it. Is Shrek making these? What's going on? The cow. So cows, because we're like over, <laughs> we're over milking them. <laughs> it get you know, they get their, what's the correct word for yeah, it? Yeah, I think milking. Yeah, milking. <laughs> milking. Yeah. Uh, you know, they get a lot of uh, infections and it gets a little swollen and pus does come out of it. And there is a 30% limit on, in the industry of still being allowed and being able to call it and sell it as milk. That's disgusting. What's your go-to milk? I really like coconut milk. Um, I don't buy store-bought coconut milk, however, because it always does have starches, emulsifiers, gums, uh, additives. 
So in Miami, we're lucky enough to actually get uh, freshly squeezed coconuts by a coconut guy called Coco Watts. And um, it's delicious. And then I also do roasted almond milk. You got a cocoa guy here? I got a cocoa guy. He makes amazing coconut water and then he makes coconut milk for us. So he rolls through and just starts chopping it up and puts it all together? With a machete and everything. Oh, so authentic. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. He's not far away from here either. Um, so we get fresh uh, Floridian coconut milk. That only ingredient in it is coconuts. Wow. And then do you use all the parts of the coconut? So, yeah, we actually keep all the shred that he squeezes out and we dehydrate that and use it as coconut flour. Have you ever, do you ever use the base of the coconut to build like a bowl? Oh, the, the bowl? Yeah, absolutely. We had, um, before COVID, we had dine-in option. And when it was a dine-in, you get a coconut bowl. That is so cool. <laughs> Something about a coconut bowl is such a vibe. Right. But so much work goes into that. And that's oh, the thing that God. I'm so it, it captivated by. And I could ask a million questions. And, and you've already experienced that because I have before we did this podcast. But is all of the little details to put together these things. Imagine there's 10 ingredients that go into one of your products. Just the coconut is a process. You have a guy for that. You have a bowl for this. You have an ingredient for this. Putting it all together, what's that process like to you? So to really be committed to doing things clean, um, every ingredient has its own set of ingredients. So like, for example, we make, um, we make our own vegan butter here that we use in the brownie. Um, yeah. So if I went and bought vegan, vegan butter from the supermarket, it will have probably 20 to 25 ingredients. You make your own, how do you we make, make vegan our butter? Own vegan butter? So we, um, combine coconut oil and a canola or rapeseed organic oil, and then vinegar, nutritional yeast and coconut milk. So we have to do that. It has to set to be able to use it. And then it's only so. good for a certain amount of time. Um, it actually stays good for a while. The shelf life of it is is pretty long. Like I would say it's good for a month. Um, but I mean, we we do everything in small batches here, so we're always doing it. Um, so you you jump through a lot of hoops to perform a simple task than an average fast food restaurant that just buys some buns oh, and patties. 100%. What do you say are the pros that you think plant-based has over it, over just like other restaurants in terms of putting together products? So, and I'm not talking about from a health perspective. I'm talking about from an operational there perspective. There aren't any pros, <laughs> to be honest. It's like if you are not committed to doing that and if you don't really believe in providing healthy um products then they're really no pros it's more expensive it's more labor intensive it's just better for you and I've actually had a few employees that started working here and they're like you're crazy this is so hard why do you make everything so difficult obviously it didn't work out with them but you know it's one of the employees that I have used to work at Whole Foods and she's like you'd be surprised we assemble cakes and Whole Foods and we get the whipped cream ready. We get the cake ready from a bakery. We get everything ready. And then we just like kind of cut, assemble, put it in a Whole Food box and say Whole Foods. And this is supposed to be like an organic health store. You know, they're charging 20 bucks for a small cake or more. And it's 
it, it comes from a can. When I hear that, it's almost like you can't unsee what you've seen. You can't. And then like as a chef and as really working in the industry, I really saw a lot of shortcuts that people take. And it's, it's just like, it's a commitment. Eating is one of the most amazing things about being alive, right? Like there's a couple things we do every day. We sleep for a third of the day. We eat three times a day, maybe two times if you're intermittent fasting, maybe one if you're just crushing it. But we're eating and I don't think enough people take the time to learn to cook, right? Like simply learning to cook, I think needs to be a cardinal rule. Unless your parents got you super into it, I'm grateful for my dad. Shout out. The school should definitely have a cooking 101. Like imagine you go to college and you're just how to cook eggs correctly, the vegan way, the gluten-free way, the smart way, how to make a smoothie. I mean, not stocking up on Kraft mac and cheese, I hope, <laughs> or frozen pizza. Or ideologies or thought processes. I mean, that mission, I'm almost jealous of people that, for, such as you that have this plant-based mission to, and, and I don't know if I've met anyone close to your level of dedication with this type of stuff, hmm. but I'm jealous because there's always more people to help. There's always more uh, knowledge to spread. I think the main thing is... First, we have to kind of reevaluate our connection to food, our emotional connection to food. Why are you eating? You know, if you're like constantly on the run and just eating to eat, you're having a sandwich here, a burger there, uh, fries here, like big Slurpees, <laughs> free refills. It's like, why? Why are you eating? What is your emotional connection to food? And I think once we kind of shift the psychological connection to food, we can then really look into, okay, what I'm eating, the, putting this thing in my body. When you buy stuff from the supermarket and have it in your fridge for two weeks and it doesn't change, is that not like a question mark? Like, why is this still good? One thing, one thing I do wish is that seasonal food was more apparent, I guess you could say, because Whole Foods does the best job in terms of the public, right? But sometimes I do want to get seasonal food. And even sometimes even at, at farmer's markets, they're not seasonal food. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, there's a lot of shortcuts. And unfortunately, the healthy, organic, natural route is so much more expensive. And a lot of people aren't willing to pay that price. Not yet, at least. But I really feel like we're definitely headed towards that. And I think COVID kind of also gave us um, a good push because a lot of people were stuck at home cooking things from scratch. I remember during COVID, I wanted to do something. I wanted to do a bread for somebody and I couldn't find flour at all. I went to like five different supermarkets. Any type of flour or specific flour? Any type of flour. There was no yeast either, like active yeast. So people were just people supported. Were just, people were trying to do stuff at home, you know? And I think once you eliminate, well, a lot of restaurants were closed, a lot of fast food things were closed. So it's like kind of pushed people to eat healthier and to like cook more and to do stuff from scratch more, that they're now becoming more aware on the effect that has on their body. That's a good point. And now that we're working from home more as a nation and as a people all over because of COVID, we realize we have some more time because cooking takes a lot of time. Yeah, that's that is a true fact. And I try to like cook once a week for the whole week. 
because I could just like put crush a lot of like four or five dishes and then I would like eat that throughout the week. I would maybe cook another time one, once or twice, but I try to get the bulk out one day. So I'm set. So when I'm tired or not in the mood, because it is time consuming, you have to prep everything, then you have to cook everything, and then you have to clean everything. Right. You've been on your feet all day. You're like, yo, I, I ain't spending the next two hours to make. So there's a lot of tips and shortcuts that you can do for yourself and also like freeze portions and put it ready and like always have. And something. you let people know these shortcuts <sighs> on your eco Mondays. I try to. We should do more cooking stuff, I think. Um, you would run a badass cooking channel. So a lot of people have asked me to actually do some cooking lessons, um, like, you know, plant-based one-on-one, some sauces, some tips. Sky, if you're listening to this, which I know you are, <laughs> come fly down to Miami. Let's put together five to 10 episodes of cooking with Nabati. That oh, that'd will be blow great. up. Yeah. It's interesting how much like building a YouTube channel with a brand these days is so vital to getting free organic traffic. Yeah. You get one or two videos that blow. Maybe that's our next project. <laughs> I think so. I mean, this you. It seems like you've built the foundation. You've you've figured out a way to keep the lights on while serving a product that's healthy. Yeah, I mean, these last two years have been very, very challenging. Um, six months after I opened, we you know, we went through the lockdown. Uh, when the lockdown happened, I lost all my employees. I did. I kind of reevaluated the shop and everything we were doing. I did everything myself here I had a friend helping me out we did deliveries we did pints and we actually got a lot of support from the community the first couple of months of lockdown um after that things started to get a little bit difficult the unemployment really didn't help and just like to be doing what I'm doing also requires a certain level of employees that actually <clears throat> care, that, that are, care, that believe in it the way you do, that care and that believe, and they see the potential. They see this as you know, an, a nice place to work at, a place where you know growth and and like I I push people. It's not always regarded as something good, but I. One way or another, they, they they do appreciate it eventually. Like, I remember in school, when I was in culinary school, so I, I had another degree, so I was older, a little bit older than most of the people in the class because um, they were out of high school. And, you know, I would, I would, I would push the students and I mean, not, it, it just happens. Like, I don't even do it on purpose. Like, it's almost just like, I always push myself to be better. Like, it's, it's a constant. So I tend to just like do it with others when I see that they can handle it. Yeah, you if know? you see potential in people, you want them um, to, to achieve. And then they didn't really get it at the beginning, but then we went off on our internships and internships, you know, they face real chefs and real kitchens and with real stress. And, and then after internships, they come up, I had a few people come up to me and they're like, thank you. Like for what? It's like, you know, I thought what you were doing was mean, but actually it was very helpful, you know? And it's just like seeing that perspective. Like I would like every person like that worked here to leave here being like, I learned something. Um, not necessarily in my work ethic, but in, in my life. That's powerful because change is uncomfortable and having deadlines for me is one of the only things ways I get done. A lot of people are working right now in fields or life and they're the smartest in the room or they're the best chef in the room and they're coasting. No. You know, they're doing the same thing and it's, they're on easy street. They're not challenging themselves. So they're not putting themselves in no. uncomfortable situations. You went through hell and back of being a new restaurant owner and you're standing here with these fantastic pans doing <laughs> your thing and you're still smiling and you're still figuring it out. I mean, that's a testament 
to your will. But more than that, I think the people that work here, I mean, they're, if they can work here, they can work many <laughs> places in the culinary industry. Yeah, I mean, I do run a tight ship and I feel like doing what I'm doing, I have to, you know, and it's, it's just the only way, you know, I, the shop has to be clean. It just has to be like, I want to be able to eat off my floors. If I drop something, I want to be able to eat it. Are we doing that after? <laughs> I have some cutlery for you. <laughs> Change is uncomfortable, but it's also the only constant. Yeah. So being adaptable really is the key. And I think it's about the perspective. So if you wake up every day and you're stressed about everything you're doing and it's just this energy of stress and oh man, am I going to do it? A fear of failure, all of that, then that's the energy you're going to bring to your environment, to your staff. And I did go through that stage like you know, mid lockdown, I was feeling that way. I'm not going to lie. It was really challenging. And I had to kind of step away a little bit. I had to be like, okay, you know, I have to reevaluate. I don't want to be in the place that I created with this energy. It really affects everything you do. So there is a lot of mental work involved. There is a lot of positive thinking it's easy and I like it you know it's like my mom always used to say it's easy when I like it I would complain about a subject in school and she's like it's easy and I like it and I'm complaining she's like it's easy and I'm like it it's easy and I like it and I'm just like well let me complain she's like no you know it's like all about how you think and the mind is a very powerful tool and if you're able to tweak your perspectives and the way you think and the way you work because unfortunately we're all built up in this if you don't do you're punished rather than do you know do with ease you can be better you know everything is possible you do what you want instead of little growth we kind of go the other way and as humans unfortunately we tend to connect over the negatives, we tend to connect over our trauma, over victimizing, over being like, oh, this happened to me, poor me. And like, it's easier to connect through that than, oh, I'm accomplished, I'm successful. Like, I can help you become that. It's more like, no, you know, that's kind of like, we're not really there yet as a society, like pushing people to be better, like, oh, stop, you know, stop being a victim. Just if you don't like things about your life, put it in your hands and change it. The victim mentality will just de destroy you. It will destroy you. And if you're trying to, you know, create something, especially something like this, that's like brings happiness and it's healthy for the body. It's good for the planet. It, you have to do it with like love and and just positivity. There's no room for negative thinking. There's no room for the ifs and, you know, just just do, just go. Somebody once told me if you're an overthinker, don't be. I was like, okay, like <laughs> easier said than done. Where's the switch, you know? <laughs> but it's true. And honestly, that was really great advice that overthinking is, not the best tool well it's agonizing we put we kind of torture ourselves with overthinking because we also think that we're the center of the universe but really most people are selfish by nature and i don't think that's a bad thing i just think that we naturally think every like oh my problems are so important but the truth is is that 
Ola's not thinking about, you know, what Ian ate for breakfast and how he's feeling, but actually she is because she runs a shop is a terrible <laughs> example, right? But you're not worried about, you know, my issues or what's going on. Everyone's issues are unique. And at some point, it takes confidence and courage to talk about your issues because if you don't talk about them, nothing's going to change. And that's why I think it's important to have friends or colleagues that you can bounce ideas off of that not only support you, but also tell you when to step your shit up, mm -hmm. right? Like I want to hang out with badass entrepreneurs, friends, people in all stages of life because the successful businessman with $50 million in life doesn't necessarily have happiness locked down. Mm -hmm. You know, my friend uh, Lisa, who raises and rehabilitates cheetahs, I mean, she knows something about life that most people just don't know. That experience is amazing. So if you can tap into different people from different walks of life and creative cultures, I think that it defines your character, which is why traveling is so great, mm -hmm. but also why I chose Miami as my home because I think Miami has the most melting pot of culture. And just because I sway Latin America, I sway <laughs> warmth in the, in the country. Yeah, I mean... The people you surround yourself with are def ha definitely have a huge impact on the way you are, the way you be, the way you function. Um, sometimes you're aware of it, and sadly enough, sometimes most of the time you're not. You're not even aware of it, and you're like, why am I like this? Well, you're hanging out with a bunch of people that you know aren't doing anything with their lives. So it's important to choose who you hang out with, who you spend your time with, what energies you're interacting with. And there's so much exciting things out there in the world, right? There's so much topics that you haven't even explored that you can just get lost in. Like you get lost in this food topic. Like I can't wait for my first dinner party so you can roast me. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> but there's so much different ingredients and ways to combine them and putting them here. And it's so fun. Like what you can do, you can never get bored. I mean, you can get bored, but there's an endless growth and achievement mm -hmm. in doing what you're doing. But what if you get maybe a few years go by and you speak to some astronaut and next thing you know, you're like, I need to go to space. You know, maybe I, you go to a conference and you meet someone who then connects you with someone who helps you franchise this to hundreds of places around the world. Next thing you know, you're going to London, to Europe, like that's your future. I mean, that's the vision. <laughs> and speaking of the vision, what is the vision? Where would you like to take Nabati from from where it is now and into the future? So I definitely want to make um, what I do accessible worldwide. I think everybody deserves to have an ice cream that's actually good for you, that's actually nutritious, that is not going to give you a stomachache, that is not going to give you, like, a hormone attack. <laughs> and... And it's plastic free and it's just good in all ways. You know, I think people deserve that. I think um, my goal is really to have this accessible, not just nationwide, but globally. Yeah. So anyone can go to Nabati, trust that they're getting the best of the best. They're treating their body like a temple. They're the Lamborghini. They're putting the premium fuel in and they leave with a smile because the shit tastes good. Yeah. I mean... You know, it takes a lot to, to 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 do it this way. And it also, there's a lot of educating the customer because people aren't used to this. People don't know what clean tastes like. It's different, you know, it's not, doesn't taste like your normal ice cream. It is different, um, but it's 
it's still super good. Do you ever make some desserts and you just start hammering them? You're like, I just ate, you know, 20 of these brownies. So believe it or not, I don't actually consume a lot of sweets, but I do taste everything every day. So that's my like. So your your self-control level is insane. Like, <laughs> you are not governed by your food. No, I'm not. And I also don't believe that we should be consuming all the time. Another conversation I want to bring up is fasting. So you told me that 30 days of the year you fast. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so I'm Muslim and in Islam there's a whole month of fasting called Ramadan. And it's basically fasting from whenever the sun is out. So you're not allowed to eat from sunrise to sunset. Um, and you're not allowed to drink either. Nothing is allowed to enter your body. So no water, no, if you're smoking, you're not allowed to smoke and no food. So there's a lot of discipline and a lot of just commitment, you know, and training. Um, because I don't know if you notice, but if you ever don't eat for long periods of time, you're hangry, right? It's like a thing. People get super angry. So being able to control your emotions without the effect of eating or drinking it's like a whole game changer and it's so good for your body so good for your body so good so like my friends did my friend did this like biohacking thing and they do a body analysis and apparently the people that fast the most have the youngest like age i believe it and like the, the idea, body feels younger than it actually is and the idea behind fasting is is that when you stop consuming food your body goes into kind of that mode where it needs to conserve energy and it needs to focus energy on things like muscles and things like being sharp because if i'm out here straight barbarian and i'm rolling around and in the you know neanderthal world and i'm hungry and i'm just like oh, oh. I haven't eaten in four days. I better be able to swing that club to go feed my fam. <laughs> and it's so good because you can replenish your micro mitochondria. You get a whole gut reset. And that's why for me with Saibo, I always tell people to do the elemental diet because it's cool because essentially you drink a solution for two weeks. Mm -hmm. I did it for two and a half weeks. I drank the same thing every single day. It's like the, it's a solution they give astronauts uh, so okay. that they get all their macronutrients. But you can achieve the same thing by fasting and you can do water fasting for an extended period of time. If you can get past that first initial crazy hump, apparently it's amazing. Now, to be completely, I've only done fasting for two and a half days and then I just cop out. My friend's max water fasting is 16 days. I, I never did that. Like I never water fasted. Honestly, it's like something that I've yet to do. Consciously, it might have it might have happened by accident <laughs> I'm not gonna lie there's been very stressful days at work where I just like get home and it's midnight and I'm like um I had a coffee and water all day and I'm like too tired to to eat at that point so I just choose sleep over food um but you know I think just disconnecting with food a little bit to reconnect with better quality food is very important and I invite all of you to do that, to just kind of detox, take a, a, a detox break from eating um, and just see how you introduce things. Like if you're if you have acid reflux or if you, you know, always have are always bloated or always gassy, then eliminate things from your diet. You know, it's in your hands. Eliminate one thing after another. Do it for at least a week to to see how you feel. Um, 
And yeah, and if you don't like something about your life, change it. Yeah, take accountability for take your accountability. health. We're just all so spoiled. We all want the quick fix. Like, I created this Facebook group for all the people that watch my Cybo video. I made this video about how I defeated Cybo. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty ridiculous, honestly. I just talk about disgusting stuff, but it connected with a lot of people, and they have been joining this Facebook group, our Cybo uh, Gut Community. And people are always just posting in that group. Well, what what herbs can I take? What this can I take? Like. It's, I don't think it's because they're bad people, but we are just used to the quick fix. We're used to the quick fix. And you need to take accountability. If you're sick, go learn what the doctors know. Because you can go and see three or four doctors and you are kind of proficient at that point. You can go see two or three people to put gutters on your house like I just did today. And now I kind of get the idea of how gutters work. You can go build an upside down <laughs> terranium or whatever you'd call this thing and you can figure it out. But take that accountability. Don't just sit there and wait and be a victim. Become the person that learns this stuff mm. and your whole life will become more empowered because... And to be curious too, to ask questions, you know? But that's a... We live in a society that punishes questions because people will victimize you. And, and I think a good solution to that is something I learned this weekend. Uh, I, I'm kind of in this little mastermind, if you would, uh, by Phil. Phil's a life coach slash he's the founder of Tembo Education. He's amazing. But it's kind of like this mastermind. It was a bunch of dudes and we come together and he does this thing called bro tree, which, you know, I guess the idea is to, you know, connect with your masculinity, your knowledge and sh share with other guys. It's it's a cool thing. Okay. But I'm, yeah, it sounds kind of weird. Though. I'm not going to lie. Like, sounds like a frat. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but it was cool because it was kind of like a safe space for everyone to talk about topics that you don't typically talk about. Like we spoke about things like COVID, Afghanistan, politics, like positions. And like, these are things I never talk with anyone because quite frankly, it's just something that I'm, I'm scared to offend a large group of people that I don't want to like I'm, I'm trying to be like friends that was something that I kind of had to learn when I moved here that people got so easily offended I would ask somebody where are you from and they're like oh I'm from here I'm like oh sorry <laughs> okay like I'm not from here <laughs> you don't look you know I mean I'm sorry to say that I mean you know it's just like okay I really have to be careful and just like also things that I never really thought about people really get offended but then why you know, what are you so offended by? It's an insecurity. It's an insecurity. And people love to project insecurities and they don't even realize they're doing it. That's why like to hate someone hurts you way more than it does the other way person. More. Like if I'm hating somebody, I'm giving them way too much <laughs> energy and like thought, you know, it takes a lot more to, to have negative feelings than to like ignore. So I think the moral of the story is surround yourself with love. And to do that, you need a healthy gut because serotonin's produced in the gut. Plant-based ice cream. <laughs> Plant-based ice cream. Nabati ice cream. We're located here in Wynwood. What's the address? 317 Northwest 25th Street. Right next to the taco stand, which the is always popping. So we're going to be converting taco eaters to Nabati eaters. Maybe soon you'll get a Nabati taco. Wow. I actually saw a taco cone that I that inspired me. So it should be coming soon to the menu. That is so cool. <laughs> a taco cone. Then we have to open on Tuesdays. <laughs> taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. <laughs> you got the whole lab out here. So I'm really excited that we were able to do this today. This is the first of many. Congrats on where you've come today. Everyone should support you. How can people go on social media, follow the journey? So, yeah, we have uh, Nabati ice cream on social media. 
Um, we also accept reviews on any platform, Google, Yelp, whatever you name it. Um, so small businesses like this really do need constant support and all the time. And I tell people that if you want to see more of this, support it. <laughs> there it is. We appreciate you till next time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode. Remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.